Hello and welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm your host today, Devin Dash, and I'm here with Joey Brannon. And today we are going to be talking about the question, can the business support the family? And really what we are, are wanting to focus in on this episode is the right and wrong way to hire Gen 2 into the organization. And we, we always talk about the strategic approach versus the traditional approach. And we're going to get into that today. Let's not wait. Joey, tell us, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your perspective on the traditional approach or the traditional mindset that we have when, when business owners are looking at bringing in Gen 2 into the business. Yeah, and this this could be Gen two, it could be Gen three. You know, we are getting into some like third generation businesses, even one fourth generation business that we've talked to, and it's you know when we talk about the traditional approach, it's basically what we experience all the time. Uh, there's a natural desire that parents have for their kids to work in the business with them, and hey, my son, hey, my daughter just graduated. Great news, they're going to be joining the team, and. It's not just the recent college graduates. We also see like the niece or the nephew who's home for the summer, you know, and and they have some yeah. job responsibility or maybe they just show up on the payroll and never show up in the office. You know, that's yeah. something else we've seen. It's born out of a genuine desire to like put their children in the best position to succeed in the future. And I promise this won't be an edit, but Faith was telling me, my wife, <laughs> she was telling me the other day that influencers are actually able, if they have their kids in photos are able to employ their kids and you have kids with 401ks starting as early as like three months old because like they're on the payroll and it's not, doesn't yeah. have any labor requirements against it. Yeah. There's some, you know, there's a, this is a huge gray area of tax law, right? <laughs> but it is true. Just as a quick aside, you know, if anybody's interested in that, it's, there's probably, I don't know, there's at any given point, there's 200 videos of some, expert, you know, self-proclaimed expert who, who may or may not be a CPA, usually is like some kind of entrepreneurial self-help guru uh, saying, you know, pay your kids $14,000 or $15,000. It goes up every year based on what the standard deduction is for taxes. Right. So the idea is you could pay your kids, you know, maybe up to $14,000 and the kid has to file a tax return, but because they get a standard deduction, then they... They don't uh, have to pay tax on that now. I have, you know, a two-year-old, three-year-old filing a tax return, you know, $14,000 worth of income. I don't know. RS might question it. But the thing, you know, it also isn't completely tax-free because you do have to pay payroll taxes on that stuff, right? And and it complicates your life a little bit. But it can be worth it. You know, set up a Roth IRA for your kid. Sure. That's a quick aside. But But it gets to the point, Yeah, I would say that the situations that we see – it's just kind of an extension of the business owner treating the business as a piggy bank for their lifestyle. Right. And so it's like, well, I could support my child financially who's maybe in a gap year or looking for a job, but it's just, well, we'll give them a job or we'll give that niece or that nephew a job and maybe they come to work or maybe they don't. The message that it's telegraphing to a lot of the other employees, you know, not least of which is, you know, whoever's running your payroll. It's like, who, who is this? Is that the business is just kind of this money tree, you know, and it's just there for your, your whims. Now, when you're talking about a recent college graduate joining the team or somebody, you know, high school and they're going to, to jump in a, a, a truck or take a position, it's not the same as, you know, free lunch or free allowance, but it, it also runs into the same kinds of issues. We've seen situations where, oh, you know, the company now has a social media manager, right? right? Where it didn't before. 
And, you know, it's like a $2 million company. It doesn't need a full-time social media manager making fifty-five, dollars $60,000 a year. But, you know, my kid needs a job. Uh, they're great at TikTok. They're great right. at Instagram. You know, so obviously, you know, we need a social media manager. And because the business, because the approach isn't, what does the business need and how do we plug it in? People are going to perceive that as, well, you know, well, this is just you trying to mold the business around your own personal needs. And when we say, what does the business need? I think we need to be careful to say, well, like, this isn't just about this. We are not most interested in what does the business need? What is the business? It's not a nameless, faceless organization that's just kind of this sterile legal entity. Mm -hmm. The business is that all of the team members, all of the employees who make that business what it is, depend on it for their livelihood, create impact in the community. And so what do those people need? What does that team need? And if that team, if what that team really needs is an upgraded position in accounting, right? To get better reports out or to be able to process invoices faster, to get more caught up on some aspect of processing back office paperwork, and that's what they really need. That's what is going to allow them to have a bigger impact. And you hire a social media manager because it's your kid. Right. And you go, well, my, kid's, my kid doesn't know how to do accounting. And be like, well, that's what the business needs. And when we say business, like that's what the team members need. They need somebody in that spot. So that's really when we talk about a strategic approach versus a traditional approach. Yeah. It is take a step back. Don't just hire your kids because they need a job. If your kids can fit the business's needs, then that's awesome. All green lights, hire away. If not, just be wary. And we'll talk maybe at the end, we'll wrap up with what we have seen, you know, become like a toxic situation to really impair the culture when people take this traditional kind of the business is a money tree to to provide all my financial needs for me and my family approach. That's going to have an impact on your culture. Yeah. And you know, that, that last point ties into something we've talked about in previous podcasts on like specifically looking at the traditional approach to HR versus like the strategic HR director. And we say in, in any case, so not just with Gen 2, bringing them into the business with any case, right? We like the idea popularized by Gina Wickman, who said like, look at the accountability chart. And it's not the title, the name and the title of the individual. It's the title and whatever the highest and best use is for that role, right? So not hiring your son because they're good at something, but looking at the business org as a whole and saying, we actually have a gap in this area. You mentioned accounting and that that's that the switch and the transition from the traditional approach to the strategic approach. Mm-hmm. What are some other way, like moving into that strategic approach perspective of hiring Gen 2 in the business? Let's talk more about that. Just like the alignment of education, training, experience, with the business, like with hiring and bringing in next gen? You know, if the business is lucky enough, you know, or intentional enough to have what we would call a strategic plan in place, then it knows what's the grand vision for the business, you know, over what type of time frame are we trying to accomplish X, Y, or Z? Are we trying to be, you know, a $10 million business in 10 years? Are we trying to have uh, double the, the number of locations over the next seven years or, you know, what is that thing that is kind of should be driving a lot of our activity as we work on the business and, and rather than just work on the business and try to solve a problem here or there, that's good. But 
intentionally work on the business and leverage the leadership team to work on the business with us all pushing toward the same big vision. And if they've done that, then they're in this place where they're thinking over the course of, you know, uh, not just days and weeks and months, or maybe the most hitting this year's budget. They're thinking beyond that in terms of my quarterly priorities tying into the annual goals, but the annual goal fitting inside of a two to three year strategy and the two to three year strategy being selected because it gets us closer to the vision. So put yourself in the, you know, you really want to hire your, your child and your child really wants to work in the family business and a business owner or a leadership team consulting that business owner who's got a strategic plan in front of them, we can say, well, as we look at the next two to three years, we don't have a crystal ball, but this is what we've planned out. This is the direction we're growing. This is what we expect the org chart to need to look like right. in two or three years. And your son or daughter is going to graduate in a year. If we were to bring them in in three years, here are maybe three or four positions we can consider on the org chart that might be commensurate with, you know, their college education and what they want to make. Now let's look at what is their particular skill set? What are they good at? What are they gifted at? And, you know, they're going to graduate in a year. We're not going to need this position for like three years. So where can they go get more relevant experience or more training so that they're even better prepared to join our team? And that would be like, that would be the strategic approach as opposed to, waiting, you know, until graduation day and be like, okay, like you're going to come work for me or, right. or not? Like well, what, what business do we, I mean, I hope none of our clients would fall into this category. If they have, we've corrected them on it and, and at least counseled them uh, with a little bit wiser counsel is what business would go to somebody off the street and go, yeah, you're kind of mediocre at this. Let me plug you in. <laughs> no, right. like if anything, we'd hope that our competitor would take that person and, you know, I think the point here is if we have a child, we wouldn't hire anybody else for that position who's mediocre. Okay, so let's, the strategic approach, go to other organizations, learn from them, learn what to do, learn what not to do, hone your craft there, fail, not worrying about what everybody thinks of you. You know, maybe that, ha- that we've seen that happen in a business. Don't worry about failure, just invest in the process because we don't, we're not ready for you. Yeah. Right, and and I think that's just, that's a benefit of the strategic approach, right? Is you get your child to go off and learn from other leadership, you know, so maybe they come back and, and as opposed to having that disgruntled mentality of like all the leaders here don't know what they're doing. It's the worst. They can start to appreciate our own leadership, their own leadership team. They can learn about the best practices. Maybe, maybe another organization has great great processes and great standards. And they get to pull some of those into the organization when it is time for them to, to come in. But I think just, yeah, I get in the point when we follow that strategic approach, we are communicating the value of outside experience that Gen 2 can bring into the organization by not just giving them a free seat on the bus. Yeah. And and they're not going to be outside experience. uh, It may be them going to work for a time in a, in another business, yeah, you know, preferably, maybe preferably in the same industry, maybe, maybe in a different geographic location. So, you know, they're not direct competition and it doesn't feel like we're doing anything that might be unethical by sending them to work for one of our competitors in our backyard. Right. That probably wouldn't be a good idea. But, you know, at a minimum, even if they do come like right out of college, just that ability to have two to three years 
to prepare the organization for their arrival, but also to allow themselves to prepare themselves for what the organization is going to need at that time. I do think that, you know, if, if you have the, if you do this the right way, I'll say like the best practice that I would recommend, and I think you would agree, is definitely like don't have it be their first job out of college or first job out of high school. Like have them get out there and work for somebody else. And there's a few reasons for that. One we mentioned, which is they're going to be exposed to hopefully some other good systems and practices. You know, mm-hmm. Hopefully they go to work, they're, they're intentional about where they choose to go work and they select a good company to go work for and they see what, you know, what a good company does in your industry and they can bring some of that knowledge and insight back to your team. One of the interesting things about the, the clients that we work with is that a lot of our business owners don't have a ton of experience working in a ton of different businesses yeah. or you know, they're, they're, they may have worked for three or four businesses prior to starting their own, but that was decades ago. You know, for the last 20 years, for the last 30 years, they've been doing their own thing. And they are intensely curious about how other businesses in their industry are doing things. Mm-hmm. And they go to conferences and they go to seminars and they go to, you know, uh, roundtable groups with others in their industry to try to learn those things. But it's different. You know, if you go to a roundtable group or you go to a, a conference, you're hearing a speaker talk to a room full of CEOs or a fr- room full of business owners. It's much different to have a relative, a child who has worked in the trenches in another organization and then comes to work in your trenches and is like, man, the trenches are way different. <laughs> the CEOs could think, you know, their experiences are identical. Right. And they could both come away from that same conference being like, man, we run each other's, you know, we run our businesses the exact same way. But the child who has the experience in both says, no, like they actually have way better. Like they're all, you know, their, their software doesn't slow their salespeople down. Our software is almost impossible for salespeople to use in the field. Or, man, we have accidents all the time and they hardly ever have accidents because yeah. they have an on-site safety person who shows up at work sites and our guy just sits in the office all the time or, you know, whatever the differences are. So you don't deprive yourself of the opportunity to get the inside scoop on what others are doing by having that child who wants to work in your business, who has an interest in your industry, go for two or three or four or five years. We're playing a long game. Mm-hmm get that experience somewhere else, maybe a couple of other places, and then come to your team. The interesting thing too is that one of the biggest hurdles some of these young people face is coming into an organization with no experience. And they can be, like we may have done all the right things in terms of lining up their electives and their summer internships and the the things that they were doing in school to line up with our business's needs. But on day one, they show up with zero work experience, real world work experience in our industry. And the presumption which is unfair because mm-hmm. we've done everything right up until that point. But the presumption is, oh, they're just here because they're the owner's son or they're the owner's daughter. Totally different when that person comes in and it's like, oh, they've been working for a company that is our size or twice our size and three right. states over. And now they're coming to join us. Like, awesome. Like we're going to, and they're going to get lots of questions. They're going to, people are going to want to know what they saw, not just the owner. Right. So I think it just sets them up for, a better, better experience with their fellow leaders. Yeah. I think the other thing too, that it touches on when we're talking about 
this that strategic approach is it models accountability to the larger organization from the perspective of you know it it does away with any sort of false faulty mindsets of like oh they they got the job because their last name is on the business and what ends up happening is everybody realizes okay it wasn't a free pass for them the organization did their due diligence they recognized that this was a role that they were going to need and it's ultimately, you know, we talk about this vision being the key component, which we're trying to, to build our business around or build our business towards. It shows everyone, hey, this position is going to help us get to that vision. And every, anybody in the organization had a fair shot at using their skills and competencies they, they, to grow professionally, to follow a career path that could have resulted in that. But we just knew that our son or daughter was, was going to be at the right place at the right time. And they didn't just get the job because they had the last name. Yeah. And I think that one of the things you can really, one of the ways you can kind of shoot that young person in the foot and not realize it is by making it too easy, by not being thoughtful about when is the right time and what do you need to be able to do to get a spot here because it's one thing for the team to look at that individual and say, oh, they just got this job because of their last name. Right. It's a totally different thing for that young person to look at themselves in the mirror and go, man, I didn't have a very good day today. I'm probably only here because I'm the owner's son or daughter, right? And then their confidence tanks, mm-hmm. insecurity starts to set in, which presents a whole host of other leadership challenges that make it very difficult for them to be effective or to grow as a leader. So- I think there's so many benefits to having them earn their way onto the team, especially with outside experience that helped them grow up, if you will, as a professional, knowing nothing, it wasn't handed to me. I earned my spot. I'm proud of what I do. I'm proud of my skill set and what I bring to this team. This team needs me. I need it. And it's a great win-win situation. The other thing that I think that business owners can do themselves a favor is by having that young person go work for somewhere else because they'll learn a little bit of humility. Mm-hmm. Like they'll learn that uh, we, I was in a, we've got a, a business uh, that has recently added some of some second generation folks to the leadership team. And so I'm getting an experience to work with these individuals and, you know, like a lot of young individuals who, who are at the leadership table for the first time, like they don't hesitate to tell the older generation, everything that's wrong with the business. And uh, after about two hours of this in a recent meeting, (laughs) one of the owners said, you know, uh, we hear you. We're not disagreeing with anything you're saying. But if this were easy, we would have fixed all these problems already. (laughs) And they're like, they're people problems, right? And this point was well taken. But I think it can help the business owner avoid some frustration too, because if that son or daughter has a chance to see that nobody's perfect, every company struggles, they all have issues. It's just not my, you know, my old fuddy duddy dad who doesn't know how to manage this business. I could do this in my sleep. And they realize that, man, everybody has these problems Mm -hmm. and they start to temper some of that criticism with a little bit of humility and maybe a little bit of patience to understand maybe there's a lot here that I'm, I don't know yet. Because if they came out of another company, they know by definition, I don't have a seat at the leadership team table. I'm not privy to this. I'm not given this much responsibility. I don't have an opportunity to tell them 
how I, how screwed up I think this area is. So when they get that opportunity, I think they take it a little bit more seriously and are a little less cavalier about telling mom and dad all the mistakes right. that they're making. Absolutely. So let's find let's let's come in with a close. Just talking about some of the cultural impact, impacts. You mentioned this earlier in the show, where you know we see this all the time. Um, business owners want a better culture of accountability. There's a wrong way to bring in Gen Two that can totally undermine any attempt at creating good, good point. creating a culture of accountability. And I think just to kind of look at some of those toxic you know elements in particular, the first one is right? Everybody knows what they're making, right? When we, when we bring in Gen 2 to the business, everybody knows. Even if they don't know, they know, right? right? Even if they don't know, they think they know, which is, you know, just as bad, you know, like actually sometimes it's worse. You know, they, they may not realize that, you know, the brand new truck that that person's driving, you know, was a gift from grandma or grandpa. Exactly. They assume that, you know, they're making $150,000 a year right out of the gate, you know? So I, I do think that, transparency in terms of payroll is a lot more prevalent than most business owners think. Other people generally know what everybody else is making. And it, it might not even be a full sense of like, we know what they're making, but I think if, if we do it the wrong way and there's a, a lack of, I, I think the, the point here is we, there's a general expectation or an assumption or a, an, a mindset that whatever they're making is not commensurate with the level of responsibility that they have. Yeah, and that's that's where the danger is because then it communicates to everybody else in the organization, you know, well, okay, he, they're making that. And I can't tell you how many times I've asked them to do that thing and they don't do it. And what happens? They, they don't get fired. They're, they're still here. So why should I care if it doesn't matter what I, you know, what, they make exactly what they make and they don't, they do half the stuff that I do, right? So there, there's that issue as well. Yeah, and overall, I think the the observation from the others on the team is that this business is being, we're being forced to accommodate this individual. Like, and going back to what we said at the beginning, where the, the posture should be one of finding what that team needs and bringing the team the, the thing that will meet the need that they have at that point in time and that, you know, in terms of a new hire and a new position with a new skill set. So when we don't, we want to avoid a situation where everybody just sees this as one more thing that you are using the business as your personal piggy bank for. It's not your, it may not be your, a new boat. It may not be a new truck. It may not be a new vacation house. It's a $65,000, $70,000 year position for your kid, but right. it's basically not something the business needs. It's just something you decide to spend money on. And oh, by the way, like it's interesting how you only choose to, to decide to spend money on stuff that's good for you and not good for us. Yep. And that's where the toxicity really starts to, to get deep rooted and people have a cynical attitude and you know, they, they stop being good stewards because they don't see you being a good steward. Right. So it's hard to expect them to be good stewards when they perceive you throwing money away left and right. And they're, they've got cost overruns on jobs or they're buying material that doesn't, necessarily need to be added or they're buying office equipment that doesn't necessarily need to be there replacing uh replacing cars and trucks sooner than they need to be done and it's just a, one of stewardship and i think you know the thing that we want to be here's the interesting thing you think we've we've said this we you and i were in a meeting i believe it's hard for me to remember all the meetings right but it seems like in the in near recent memory maybe last week or two uh we were talking about 
the value of having somebody with the last name. I know we were talking about a new employee orientation. orientation. Yes. We had a business yeah. where a family member was responsible for doing that orientation. And we talked about how, how cool that was. Like what a, what a, what a neat opportunity that was to have somebody with the last name of the founder whose name is plastered on the outside of the building. And that's the person you spend your first day with. You know, I spend a first day with a family member who's, you know, got a, quite a bit of responsibility around here. And there are so many ways in which that last name can be a huge asset for the business. Having a competent second or third generation in there is, I mean, it's, it's really hard for your nameless, faceless competitors to compete with that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a, let's say that you have a young person who's joined the organization and you've, they've, you've ticked all the boxes in terms of getting them ready and they've got relevant experience and they come in and they're, but they're still young and they're put over, um, some, some element of customer service, right. And one of their responsibilities is to deal with situations that have kind of gone haywire. Right. And I got to go solve, you know, meet with an angry customer and you know, it's, it's dash, you know, consulting 101 or whatever. And, and plumbing, you know, I don't know. Yeah, pick, pick. Dash plumbing service, right? And and you get to go and you get to say, um, hi, my name's Devin Dash. You know, I'm the, my grandfather started this company. And what's been going on here is, you know, I just want you to know this is not what we want. Yep. As a family, it's not what we want. As a company, it's not what we want. And people will treat you different. They will give you, um, they'll give you more grace, and it's it's weird how it works that way. Maybe it's not fair, but right. it is a tremendous competitive advantage. Or <laughs> yeah. that last name can be a horrible liability. If you're perceived as not having what it takes, being given a job you didn't deserve, being over overcompensated, being beyond your depth in terms of responsibility, and it's all because of just your last name. Now the last name has gone the completely opposite direction and it's not a good thing. It's yeah. a reason that people look at your culture and go, that's broken. And that's what we're trying to avoid. The last name is too important. The families work too hard for it. And I don't think that they do these things intentionally. I think it's a lack of intention right. that leads to a lot of the problems that we talked about. So just, I know we're getting close on time, but I do want to just re-highlight some of the major kind of cultural benefits. And we already talked about one of them, which is we're accountable to the company, meaning the vision, the people that are already employed in the company, the goals, the strategies that we're pursuing, right? It, it communicates that everybody in the organization, even the business owner has to to be, is accountable to that. And that that's a huge benefit of pursuing the strategic approach to bringing in Gen 2. Another one that we kind of mentioned was just, it, it communicates to everybody that y- success is rewarded and it's not, there's no free handouts, right? That can create an immense amount of buy-in from every team member to say, Hey, we know that if we work hard and we help this company get to where we want it, we've all decided that we want it to go, then I'm, I'm bought in and there's no, no free rides here that can communicate, you know, talk about quiet quitting. That's a huge problem. And you can eliminate that by just communicating people. If you perform and you have a skill set that's valuable for the company and you're you're delivering on your, your responsibilities and your expectations then you get rewarded for it right whether that's financial compensation or performance comp whatever right just creates that level of accountability as well the other one to any any of these you want to just jump on is 
the the value um, and the benefit that the need for roles in the organization, again, we've kind of talked about all these, the need for roles, responsibilities, and the skill set of Gen 2 makes them a valued player, right? Not not somebody that gets the, the side eye when they walk into the room because they have the last name. Yeah, the team, like on day one, if it's done right, like we said, the team is excited to welcome them to the team. Yeah. Like, man, we've been waiting for you. Like, it's about freaking time. You know, it's just taken three years to get you here. And we've known you were coming, you were coming, you were coming. And now's now's the opportunity for us to plug this hole or fill this gap or take advantage of this opportunity yep. now that you're here. Yep. And and I think kind of one word we always use is see the future of the organization, right? There is a future. My job, I'm, I have job security. Mm-hmm. Another benefit of yeah, that. Yeah, that's a huge one that... We, we may not have talked about enough, but I think when this is done well, what we see in the non-family team members, there's a lot of pride in working for a family business that's doing it right. Yep. You know, and they, a lot of them came out of more corporate business or family businesses where it wasn't done right. And they want to see the second generation succeed. They want to see the third generation succeed. And we've got many cases where, you know, a, a young third generation team member is supervising much older, yeah. you know, legacy employees who've been there 17, 18, 19 years. And they're happy. They're happy to have, you know, if it's done well, <laughs> there's also situations where they're frustrated and fed up right. because it wasn't done well. But I think, you know, we don't want to just focus on the negative. We want to, we want you to see the opportunity that exists to do this well and, and have your team like cheering you on, cheering your your son or daughter and their generation, maybe even their siblings if they're working alongside them, cheering them on and wanting their success. And man, as a parent, could you ask for anything more than a team that's fully behind your kids? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. That's a good last word. Thanks, Joey. Thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in, and we'll see you guys and talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.